Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were lovely, and Rachel was graceful and beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of it, the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her maid. When morning came, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, This is not done in our country, giving the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other, also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so, and completed her week, and then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, as his wife. Here with this church, here with the Spirit is saying to the church.
A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. For those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Jesus Christ who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was left. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they threw it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets and threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. In our family room on the mantle of our fireplace is a sign. Be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. Many times when our children were growing up, that's sign gave me pause. Actually, God isn't finished with any of us yet. We are in the process of being transformed, struggling with good and evil, experiencing successes and failures, and as the song goes, picking ourselves up and starting all over again. The most recent events of the past weeks, the senseless acts of terrorism and suicide and bombings, killings and wars, the children crossing the borders, and most recently the bombing of Malaysian Flight 17, has left it just too much to take in. I am struck by the fact that while I am deeply angered and saddened, I am no longer shocked. I am numb. And that is very unsettling to me. Unfortunately, it is becoming all too familiar. There are so many questions. How can those responsible for these tragedies have so little regard for human life? Where is all this misdirected hatred and anger coming from? Why are innocent people chosen as the target for violence? Where is God in all this? In Romans, Paul tells us if God is for us, who, could, who is against us? And Paul is convinced that despite all the adversity he saw in the world, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So how does God's love manifest itself in our lives? I believe that Jesus gives us a roadmap to that 
question through the lens of the parables. What is a parable? C.H. Dodd states in his book on parables, at its simplest, a parable is a metaphor or a simile, drawn from nature or the common life, life arresting the hearer by its vividness or strangeness, and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt about its precise application to tease it into thought. We are meant even today to wrestle with the meaning in our search for truth. All the parables we heard this morning begin with the words, the kingdom of heaven is love. Take the parable of the mustard seed. What isn't commonly known today, but was well known during Jesus' time, is that the mustard seed was being one of the smallest seeds, not the smallest, but one of the smallest. And in fact, it was a weed. It can grow to 6, 12, or 15 feet in height. There is tremendous contrast in size. So much comes from so little. Even though Jesus and his followers were such a tiny little group, and even though the kingdom seems at times virtually invisible, one can have faith in its final coming in fullness. We can have faith in the spreading. So it is with the parable of the yeast, a small unit of fermented dough in biblical times, not like the little packages of yeast we buy in the supermarket today, but mixed into three measures of flour would grow to roughly one and one eight bushels total. Such a small amount of yeast mixed in with a large amount of flour would make an awful lot of bread. Again, the contrast in size to emphasize that while the kingdom of heaven in each of us starts small, it will grow and continue to flourish and become surprisingly great. When it comes into its own, it will be all-encompassing. We aren't there yet. It is God's time, not ours. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to be patient and trust that the kingdom is indeed spreading and God is counting on us to do the spreading to be the co-creators with God, to complete the work of the kingdom, to continue the work toward justice, mercy, and forgiveness for all. It's a lesson in patience and in hope. But God's expansive love is not defined solely by growth. We turn now to the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl merchant. In both, there is discovery first, then it's followed by joy, and then come the consequences. For the one, for the one discovering the treasure hidden in the field, his joy is risking all for the king. And when the merchant discovered the pearl that he recognized was of great value, he sold everything he had to acquire it. And so God's love in our lives manifests itself through growth and also through epiphanies we experience along our journey. Do we search for and find the hidden treasures, the lost pearls in our lives? For many of us, and I know it's true for me, it is the slow, gradual maturing in faith, together with all the doubts and surprises that I have experienced over my lifetime. A faith constantly being renewed and constantly being challenged. For some, it comes through a heartbreak, heartbreaking tragedy. For others, like C.S. Lewis, 
It comes through endless searching and seeking. We all have our journeys, unexpected glimpses, sometimes acknowledged only after the fact. I remember one such glimpse when I was a seminarian reading my fieldwork at a church in Tuckahoe, New York. The time came for me to give my first sermon, and I was determined that it was going to be the best sermon ever given. And so I spent way too many hours on the sermon, and <clears throat> when it was time to give it, I got into the pulpit, and I got the first sentence out, and my voice left. I couldn't speak above a whisper. I was horrified. The senior warden ran out and brought me a cup of water, and the best I could do was to take a sip, and get a sentence out, take another sip, and get a sentence out, so you can imagine how I was feeling. That is the way the whole sermon went. But at communion time, when it came time for me to give, uh, to administer the communion to the parish, what happened was that they ended up ministering to me. The parishioners came up one by one, squeezed my hand, hugged me. They just basically uh, ended up ministering to me. They reached out to me in love and taught me a huge lesson in humility. At the door of the church, one man came up to me and he said, first time I ever listened to a whole sermon. He said, I wanted to see, I wanted to see if you could get through it. <laughs> I did, but not in the way that I wanted, but with God's help through the body of Christ, the church community. I've always remembered that. The New Testament is full of seeking, expecting persons, surprised by joy. Zacchaeus, the little rich man who wanted so badly to see Jesus as he was passing by that he climbed a tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus and was so overcome by his teaching that he shared half of his possessions with the needy. And then there's Peter, who had denied Jesus three times before his death, and he was heartbroken. Imagine his surprise when he heard the words Jesus spoke to the widow at the tomb. He is risen. He is not here. But go, tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter. Those words affirm Peter's forgiveness and Peter's acceptance. We can only imagine his relief and his joy. In his book, Simply Jesus, M.T. Wright says, Jesus' kingdom must come then by the means that correspond to the message. It's no good announcing love and peace if you make angry, violent war to achieve it. The present mode of the story is not the end. In other words, the kingdom is here but not fully, as it will be when heaven and earth are completely one. What we see now is not the completion of what is to come. It is the spreading. We're living at that time in the spreading of the kingdom. Slowly beginning with Jesus and his followers, and continuing down through the ages to you and to me. Right continues when Jesus healed people, when he celebrated parties and hung out with all sorts of people, when he offered forgiveness freely to people. In all these ways, it was clear that this wasn't a foretaste of a future reality, this was reality itself. This is what it looks like when God is in charge. 
This is heaven on earth. The kingdom does make itself known in surprising times, places, and persons, and continues to spread like the mustard seed and the leaven throughout the world. Therein lies our hope. Patience and faith are what is needed in the meantime. We have to persevere, and we must remember that God is in charge. Amen.
musicians, for Alan, our Michigan left, for Tony and Becky, our priests, for Ron, Maureen, Judy, and Janet, our priest associates, and for all bishops and other ministers. For the special needs and concerns of this congregation, we pray especially for Bishop Gale, Susie, John, Gaylord, Mary Jo, Dale, the family of Lindsay Watkins, Ethel, Barbara, the Cleary family, Harry, Carl, Victor, Jim and Sue, Wynn, Lawrence, Isabella family, Don, Ben, Jimmy, Robin, Reverend Jim, Meg, Margaret, Michael, Amy, Spencer and Lisa, Neil, Peggy, Kenneth, Sharon, Olive, Bishop Tom, Kathy, Leona, Reverend Stephen, Susan, Deborah, Jane Franks, Eric, Edie, Liz, those without jobs, those serving in the military, and those working for peace. Hear us, We pray for the safety of those who work on the demolition of the old parish house and give thanks for the beginning of the parish house project. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We will exalt you, O oh God, our King. And praise your name forever and ever. We pray for all who have died. We remember especially Karen Karen's mother of Anna Lynch, Mary Tyler, grandmother of Greg Gatel, and Christina Erson, member of the Cathedral Soup Kitchen Group. We give thanks today for the 40th anniversary of the first women ordained to the priesthood church, and for the action by the Church of England to allow women to be consecrated as bishops. Most holy and loving God, you sent your child, Jesus Christ, that there might be no longer a slave, free, Jew, or Gentile, male, or female. Be with us in this day as we rejoice in the ordination of women to the island, priesthood, and episcopate giving thanks for the ministry among us. Fill our hearts with gratitude for those who worked and prayed unceasingly for the full and equal participation of women in our church in both holy and brave works. Strengthen those who still struggle with the full inclusion of women in holy orders in their diocese. In the name of the Source, the Word, and the Spirit, Are there other Thanksgivings?
mostly stripped down. There's very little standing except the studs. And we are really at that point where uh, it's, it's getting very exciting. Uh, early next week, Monday or Tuesday, they will begin to take the outside of the building down with big equipment. Um, it's uh, it's going to take some time to get that done, but they're uh, really on it, and it's, we're very pleased with how fast the uh, construction company is working through some of the issues that they have. Uh, we will want you all to know that Wednesday and Thursday of this week, this whole building will be shut down because the water surface has to be cut off in order to hook us to the new water line that they've been putting in. So there'll be no office offices or any groups meeting here. So please know that this is a plan, and it will uh, it will help us get to the next stage. Uh, we do have a lot of new photographs of the inside the church that we'd like to get put up on the website, and hopefully we'll have a chance to see those. If you go down the steps along the edge there, there is a door now with uh, glass in the middle that you can see out and see a little bit of what's been going on. But it's uh, we're really lively. Point. If you have any questions or concerns, please feel free to call me. Thanks. Thank you, Claudia. Robert, you have a There's an announcement in your bulletin about housing, and I'm happy to say we have just enough houses. But if you were planning on volunteering your home, we could probably still use you as either a backup or. Um, We've got one person who has five, so you, know, you can help us out. But I'd also like to call your attention to the concert. Please come to the concert Saturday night at Holy Family Church at 7.30 p.m. to hear the South End on Sea Choir. And if you um, are computer literate and want to go on, they have a great website that tells about the tour. They're coming to Boston and Concord by way of Chicago, Cleveland, and Niagara Falls. Throughout the summer, we are having a pickup choir. I see lots of singers out there. Um, if you want to sing with us, all you have to do is show up at 9 o'clock and we learn the anthem and the hymns and service music for that morning at 9 o'clock. Thank you, bro. As you heard in the prayers, uh, we are marking the 40th anniversary of the ordination of women in the Episcopal Church. Uh, 40 years ago, uh, the Philadelphia 11 were ordained. Uh, our parish had some very close connection to that. Uh, I believe that Ivan Kaufman was president of that uh, organization. Also, the preacher was Chuck Willie, who many of you know and has been here and preached before at the time. He was the vice president of the House of Deputies. Uh, it, and I believe the crucifer for that was 
sanctify them by your Holy Spirit, to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, holy food and drink of new and unending life in Him. Sanctify us also, that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, our
Blessing of God Almighty. 